Hey church. Hey. We're so glad you're joining us today. We're in a series called Everyone. Yeah, our hope in this series is to communicate God's heart for all of humanity, but also for you individually, hence every and one. So we hope this week's message is a blessing to you. God bless you. All right, this one is going to be called Everyone. The concept, again, is this, that, that God's love is so great. How many know that? It's so great, so massive, that it's for every person, everywhere, all of humanity. I don't care where you're born, how old you are, what gender you are. God loves you. But God's love is also specific. It's like a laser beam, and it comes in, and it comes right for you. You get that? Don't get lost in a crowd, even though God's love is massive and it hits the crowds, but know this, that you stand out with God, okay? What a thought. You know, as we take a thought like this, you know, we'll come at it for a few weeks here from different angles, but allow the revelation of what God's trying to get across to us to just permeate our thinking our lives, let it, let it kind of give us a new way to act and a new spring in our step. You know, when we're seeing the crowds out in the world, know this, man, there's something in you that's the love of God that is just like compelled to go out and reach these people. But know this too, that as you walk through your day, you can have a confidence knowing that God loves you. How do you know that when you know someone loves you, it gives you confidence, you know? It just does. I mean, in the natural, that does that, you know. I mean, I, I get strength just from you guys being here because I know that we have this family kind of thing going on. I remember we had a visitor this summer, who, someone who's been with the church when we started, then moved out of state and moved back. And they just commented to me in the foyer. They said, wow, there's a really good thing going on here. I said, yeah, I agree. And they said, you know, it's just this whole family atmosphere. It's like when somebody walks in the door at church, you're going, yeah, all right, there's Agnes. Oh, yeah, all right, or, you know, let's go get a hug, you know. Yeah! <laughs> it gives you strength. If that gives you strength, man, where does it take you to just walk in the knowledge that God loves you? You say, I'm important. I'm important to God. Wow. You're not lost in the crowd. You're not a number. All right. A couple verses here this morning to get us going. Uh, uh, John 3, 16 uh, and 17. Have you ever read those scriptures before? Have you ever seen it at a football game? John 3, 16. Do they still do that? I don't even know. Do they? Someone says, yeah, great. It says this. It says, for God so loved the world. Uh, don't you love that they put that word so in there? He didn't just love the world, but man, let's get dramatic here. He says he so loved the world. I mean, that's the next level. I mean, that goes beyond just even love. And man, it's just, just way out there. It's number 11 on a scale of 1 to 10. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever. Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about you. Whoever. Whoever. That means any. This will work for anyone. Did you wake up this morning and find that gravity was working? You guys all find that? Nobody was floating at the top of the ceiling or anything. You know, was that Mary Poppins where they did that? They were all laughing and floated up to the, Some of you never saw that movie, I bet. Anyway, I mean, 
Yeah, hey, so all of it, you know, gravity was working. It didn't just work at my house. You know, it wasn't just Dana and I that got up and, you know, going to get our coffee and the coffee didn't go, no, it went right down, you know, we drank it right down. Uh, you know, at your house it worked just the same. Well, you know what? It says this, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'm telling you what, this works for everyone. If you believe in Jesus, if you accept what he did for you, I'm telling you, transformation happens in your life. How many remember the transformation that began in your life when you accepted Christ? You know, I mean, for me, it was like, boom, right away, there was something, whoa, you know. But I tell you what, it doesn't end there at that first initial transformation. It's the beginning of something. It's walking through the door and, and, and coming into a whole new world of, of reality where God's involved in your life. It's amazing. You know, I've watched different people, you know, accept Christ and see the change. You know, Pastor Stephen, I remember, you know, we weren't so sure when, when he, he stepped over into life. You know, I wasn't exactly sure. You know, I didn't want to come up to him and give, get my God, you know, meter out and say, are you registering now or <laughs> my magnifying glass and say, huh. But I remember one thing in particular that stood out to me is we were planning a missions trip. It was the one of the trips to Europe that we went on. We went to, can you believe it? We, as a church, went to Europe twice on missions trips. What a great place to go. I just got an email from uh, one of the pastors over there this week. And, and anyway, but um, we're, we're announcing, we're telling people, hey, if you want to sign up to go on this trip, you know, Pray about it, you know, get your passport, the kind of things that we would say. And we're, I was sitting in my, my kitchen one day, and, and uh, Pastor Stephen, back then he wasn't Pastor Stephen, he was Stephen. Stephen had this long hair that would fly down in his face, you know, that's, that's, that was him, you know. Had the mop going, so it's like when he was in the band, he could do this, and his hair would fly around. Anyway. But I remember, I remember it was like around Christmas time or something because we were making cookies. I don't know. We were making cookies or something in the kitchen, which in our house, usually that's Christmas. And, and he walked up to me and, and he says, uh, so, you know, you go on that missions trip. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go on that trip. He says, you know, when you're over there, over in Europe, are you going to like pray that prayer with people? I mean, you know, he's totally unchurched. He says, are you going to pray that prayer with people? And I had to think, my mind, my gears had to turn a little bit, and I thought, oh, he's talking about salvation, you know, receiving Christ. And I said, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. He says, that'd be good. That'd be good. He probably doesn't even remember this. But in my mind, I thought, I get it. He knows something happened when he prayed that prayer. He knows, man, change started happening. He knows this, that God loves him. And he wanted other people to experience what he had. I mean, you know, every person is an individual and is different. But know this, that everyone is important to God. I, I always tag verse 17 on, even though it may not fit the context where we're going this morning. I just happen to like verse 17. And it says this, God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world. Did you hear me there? Jesus didn't come to condemn anyone. If the church, religion, you know, a TV preacher is putting condemnation on you, that's not Jesus. Now, it's true that you hear the word sometimes and you go, wow, you know, I see change in my life. I, as a Christian, we are in constant repent mode. Now, you need to understand what repent means. 
You know, repent has meant different things to different people over the years. At one time, I know when I heard the word repent, I envisioned this, this kind of emotional slobbering, you know, up, you know, at the altar that was routine, routine, you know, all the time, every week. And I just, I wasn't into that, you know. And, and, uh, but the word repent just means this, you change your mind. It just means you change your thinking. You change what you think. You ever have to change what you think? You know, I used to think egos were healthy, and then I read the ingredients, and I had to change what I thought. I thought, oh, maybe they still are some people. Sorry. I, is that like revealing Santa Claus? Is, no. <laughs> I'm not going there. God did not send Jesus into this world to condemn you. He sent him to give you life, to give you life. You don't go anywhere in life feeling condemned. If religion has beat you over the head and you feel condemned, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulder, I'm going to just tell you right now, just give it to Jesus. That's what he came for, to, to take the load, to give you life, to give you breath. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, I'm working my way up to a, a story in Luke, but, but I, I've got a couple scriptures that we're going to enjoy along the way. Um, you know, I like to enjoy things on the way. You know, it's not always the destination, but it's the journey that, that gets you there. That's enjoyable. Man, Dane and I have been taking advantage of this incredible weather lately, and we've gone on walks the last couple nights, you know, and, and my, my destination is the end of the soybean field road, you know, before I get onto Highway 25. That's in our neighborhood, you know. And, and Dana actually drew a new line so we don't get too close to the traffic. So we just go across this, this tar line. And we think that's my destination. But I tell you, most of the joy comes in the whole journey of it. You know, we're li like looking out there at the clouds the other night. The other night we got down in, in the, the soybean field. And we just got down and we were just watching the rows of soybean. Have you ever just do that and just look at that stuff? It's so great. And, and we're watching the way the sun reflected on the beans and, and uh, wow, it was an amazing moment just to take it all in and check it out. You know what? God's taking you on a journey. You know, we do have destination, but there's tremendous things along this journey to enjoy him and enjoy life. That's all my excuse for having a rabbit trail. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 2, again, God, God is intensely, you know, passionate and in love with all of humanity but he's intensely passionate and in love with you. 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 1, um, he says this. I'm reading this out of Message Bible. He says, the first thing, you know, Paul's talking to Timothy and to all of us. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Coming from a man who, you know, preached the gospel all over the known world of his day. The apostle Paul says, the first thing I want to tell you is pray. Obviously, this, this meant something in his life, and so I'm going to just say that too for us is, is man, you know what? A key to life is, is learn to pray. Learn to pray. You know, don't make it a religious thing where, well, you know, I'm praying, you know, I got to do a certain form and mode and speak in a certain tone and use a certain language. No, just be you. The best advice I could give you to pray is just be you, okay? Don't try to be somebody else. Be you and be real with God. 
but bring them into your day. Bring them into everything you're facing, you know. You go to bed at night and you're thinking about the next day. Man, don't face the next day without his strength in your life. Call on him. He's there. He's there to just come in and take you by the hand and get you to the next place. You know, I mean, he, he, he so wants to be part of our life. He so wants to be involved in what we're doing. He so wants to have us come to him and tell us our, our deepest concerns and, and, and even fears, you know, to bring them to him, to bring them to him so that he can come in and give us strength and bring us to a place that, that he intends us to be. He says, I want you to pray. Pray every way you know how. I mean, don't just box yourself in, man. Just let her loose, all right? Don't get into some format, some ritual. Just cut loose. Be you in prayer. For everyone, for everyone you know, man, get yourself a big list. In other words, Dana, man, that Bible is full of names, right? That's a Dana. Do you get, you get in Dana's list, you're in trouble, you know? Actually, you're in good place. You know, she'll leave you in her list until she sees God change your life. <laughs> but it says, pray for everyone, you know, especially pray for rulers and their governments to rule well so that we can uh, be quietly about our business of simply living. You know, I tell you what, pray for rulers, pray for your boss, pray for people that, that have any kind of leadership role because nobody can do anything without God, Okay. We're all a disaster going to happen unless God gets involved in our life. So pray. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, live, living simply in humble con contemplation, this is the way our Savior wants us to live. I like that. In verse 4, he says he, he wants not only us, but everyone saved. So where's God's heart for? It's for us but it's for everyone, for everyone. God's will is everyone get saved. I'm talking everyone, not just the, the neat, clean guy that you really want to be their friend, but the grumpy, crabby person that sits on their porch and spits in a can and has a shotgun over their knee, you know, and cusses at little kids when they walk by. They're all afraid to go through his yard because God wants him saved. I just described Pastor Stephen in 40 years. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He wants everyone saved and everyone to get to know the truth that we've learned. You see, you know, goodness, I, I, I feel like life sometimes I've walked around in a cloud. You know, for first 20 years of my life for sure. And then, then I get born again and I, I saw who Jesus was to a degree. But, but God's will, God's will is for us to walk through the door and get saved but not stop there. But continue to grow and to know who he is. To know that he's for me, not against me. To know that he's good, he's not bad. To know that, man, I, 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 he forgives me of every sin I ever committed. I don't have to walk around in guilt and shame. He wants us to walk in this kind of knowledge that, that we can go be somebody in this earth because we got somebody living in us and someone believes in us and, and, and is there for us every step of the way. You know, he wants us to walk in this kind of knowledge, not just us, but, but everyone. 
You know, deceit is a terrible thing. You know, when we think something to be true and it's not. And, and people, sometimes people get into this deceit that, that God has done these bad things in their life. He's taken people out of their lives, you know, and it can ruin them. I've seen people's lives ruined because they have this warped image of God. And God's become the enemy. God let this stuff happen. He brought these things in my life and I'm just ticked at God. Well, if you're ticked at him, tell him that. Get it off your chest. Be real with him, but then allow yourself to see who he really is in the whole thing. All right? So, so, yeah. Everyone, to get to know the truth we've learned, that there's one God and only one and one priest and mediator between us and God, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. To set them all free free. That's God's plan for you. It's God's plan for me. He wants us to be free, not to be entangled with things that, that, that try to hold us down in life. You know, it isn't that sin is just like, like, oh, God just can't even look at me because I've, I've not done everything right. Well, the problem with sin is, and things like that, that is they tangle us up and they keep us from truly expressing who we are. You know, and God wants us just walking free and being a true expression of what he's done in our life. Amen. All right, turn over to Luke 15. This is where we'll go for the next four minutes or so. Luke 15 and verse 1. Again, I'm, I think I'm reading in the message. Let me look. Uh, probably. Luke 15, 1. It says, by this time, this is a Jesus story, by this time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation, say that, say doubtful reputation. <laughs> They're hanging around Jesus. Don't you love it when there's people of doubtful reputation hanging around you, you know? Uh, what are they going to think, you know? That's, you know, Jesus didn't care what they thought. I love that about him. Uh, and they were, here's the thing too, it says, these men and women, not just men, but men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. Huh. Sometimes people who got it all together may not listen quite as intently to Jesus because they think they got it all together. But these people obviously had some needs and realized the, the shortcomings in their lives. And they said, man, this guy, this guy's talking about God in a way I've never heard it. This guy's talking about life in a way I just haven't wrapped my brain around before. I need him. So these people of, of you know, <laughs> bad reputation are sitting around listening to Jesus. And here, get this, the Pharisees and religious religion scholars were not pleased. It goes on, not at all pleased. Now, this is what I really love, and they growled. <laughs> did you guys see that they growled man they, they, they growled and spit yeah they did all I mean they just they caused the ruckus they were not happy campers and they growled they said this they said he takes in sinners and eats meals with them treating them like old friends and their grumbling triggered the following story and what Jesus does here is he begins, he tells actually three stories. Bam, bam, bam. Because he's, he's saying these stories, it says right here, to combat this, this ugly attitude that had gripped the religious people sitting there watching people come in and, and receive what he had to say. 
Oh, man. So here it goes. Here's the first one. Um, it says, suppose one of you had 100 sheep and lost one. Would you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when, when found, you can be sure that uh, you'd put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors and say, come and celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people and no need to, to, ha to be rescued. So here you got, guys got 100 sheep. And one sheep, for some reason, leaves the crowd. What got into that one sheep that made him leave the crowd? You know, it could be a lot of things. Could, could be he was a little slow. You know, he didn't realize there was safety in the pack. I don't know. That could have been a reason. Could be that he had some wrong thinking. Maybe he thought the other sheep had it better than he had it. And he was going to go make his own way. Going to go find myself some greener pastures. Some better, you know, babbling brooks. Something better than what I've got right here. Whatever it was, whatever kind of thinking he had, it caused him to leave the flock. And, and what it, you know, it doesn't really give us a whole lot about the sheep because the main thing is here that we need to see is this, is that the shepherd, Jesus, we'll call him Jesus because Jesus is the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He's numerous times referred to as a shepherd. And, and in Hebrews, he's called the great shepherd. And, and uh, Jesus, no matter what the reason is for this guy wandering away, no matter what it is, Jesus was intent to go out and get him. What does that say? It says this, that one is important. One is important. Well, Look at the 99. They're important too. But I'll go after the one is what Jesus said. He's coming after you. He goes on. He, Jesus didn't just tell it one way. He told it another way. He says, imagine a woman has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp or scour the house looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? Well, God is going to go looking for you. You know, it's one of the first things in the book of Genesis we see is when Adam fell, when Adam was one of the lost coins, you know, and, and actually he didn't even have the other nine, it didn't seem at that point, but, but Adam and Eve left. You know, the first thing you see there is God comes looking for him in the garden. The reason is you're valuable. You're valuable. If you've ever strayed, and we've all strayed, the thing is, you're valuable even when you stray. And God doesn't, you know, King's X on you. He doesn't do that. No, he goes after you. Say, he's after me. What I love, too, is it says that the, the, he says when they found the coin, it says, celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one soul uh, turns to God. And what I would say is this is you are a reason to celebrate, okay? You are a reason to celebrate. God rejoices over your life. He sees value, not just in the crowd, but in the individual, in you. Then the third story he tells, I tell this one a lot, but it's good, and I love it in the message, so I'm going to just read it here. Then he said, there's once a man who had two sons. The younger said to the father, Father, I want, I want right now what's coming to me. Uh, 
So the father divided the property between them, and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags, left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had after he'd gone through all his money. There was a bad famine, and all through the country, he began, he, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. And he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. That you got to be pretty hungry to do that, you know? You get hungry enough, anything looks good, I guess. But, but no one would give him any. So he couldn't even get a hold of this stuff. He fighting the pigs, and the pigs wouldn't give him anything. What brought, that brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up and went home to his father. Here's the part I really want to see. Verse 20. While he was still a long way off. Say, a long way off. His father saw him. Get this. His heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, kissed him. And the son started his, his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. You get this too. The father wasn't even listening. I'm sure this whole journey, he's thinking about all that he did wrong. I mean, would we do that? Probably. You know, you think about the, the right words to say. You know, God isn't interested in your right words. He's interested in your heart. He's thinking about all these right things he's going to say to his dad when he gets there. But his dad, when he's still a long way off, his dad had the habit of going other. And what it tells me about Father God is he doesn't give up on us. Even when he was a long way off, he saw him. Came running, his heart is pounding. He starts, he break, the son breaks into his speech. The father, father here, he wasn't even interested. He didn't even care what he said. All he did was hug, embrace him, put a ring on his finger. And again, this guy, he's always looking for a reason to party. He says, let's celebrate now. He's come home. Now, you know, there's, there's so many other things we could glean in this story. We're not going to go there today, but know this, you're important to God. Romans 10 and 11, it says this, that whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I like that. I don't want to be filled with shame. Believing on him, you'll not be put to shame. There's no distinction between the Jew, the Greek, the Norwegian, the Swede, None of those. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can we just take a moment right now? And I, I would assume most people here have done this, but maybe there'd be one. Isn't that what we're talking about today? There's a crowd and then there's just one? Maybe there's one here today that you don't know God like you want to know him. Maybe, I guess that'd be all of us. But maybe you've never stepped over and embraced what he did for you through Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? Well, he went to the cross on our behalf as our substitute. He went there to pay the price for you and I. I like to go to the movies. And if someone says, hey, I have paid for your seat, I'd say, yeah, all right. You know, well, God paid for our seat in the family of Christ, in the family of God. And, and, and he did this, Jesus did this for us, and all we need to do, as we've read already, is believe it in our heart and receive it. 
The Romans, Romans verse I just read says, everyone who calls on the Lord shall be saved. There's no magic words. It's not a magic formula. It's a heart cry to God that he hears, he picks up on. I'm telling you, it might just be a squeak. And he hears it, comes running, and embraces you. And what do we, we know what he does then. He parties. Okay? Can we pray this together? Say, Father God, I thank you that you love me. I'm important to you. Important enough that you come running after me. Well, right now, I receive what Jesus did for me. Come into my life and be real to me. Help me to know you better every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.